killing the world as they prove to the famous podcast. It's the hottest message out there. When I'm killing, I'm always proving it's the same. Yeah, the hottest podcast out there. Oh, yes. Very informative. When I'm home, Tim, I'm always tuned in for days. He has the hottest podcast out here. When I'm home, Tim, in the world, I stay tuned to the famous podcast. It's the hottest message out there. trying to figure out some puzzles. I'm not here to start nothing. I ain't trying to start nothing. Just got some things that I want to get done. Some things that I want to get solved. Some things I want to enlighten myself with. So maybe y'all take a time and to get the opportunity to stop by and listen to my thoughts. Hope so. Very intellectual. So, if you get time, just holler at me. I'm reminiscing all in my room. Just trying to figure out a whole lot of things. Until then, y'all have a great day. And thank you for coming in and listening to me. Thanks. I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police could kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I got to ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? Cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't wanna hear the truth, try to act defend the shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even want to teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this, but the peace to Marcus. Uh, got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in a headlock. Do you hate all white people? I don't think it's a fair question. Uh, my edit, the white, my edit, the white man doesn't even come into my attitude. Uh, he, Mr. Muhammad, teaches us to love our own kind and let the white man take care of himself. For a white man today, sir, after uh, kidnapping millions of black people from Africa, stripping them of all human characteristics and relegating them to the role of chattel or cattle or animals, commodity, merchandise that could be bought and sold at will, uh, and then a hundred years since the Emancipation Pro Proclamation, using every type of deceptive method to further us into slavery, uh, called second-class citizenship, I think that it would take a whole lot of nerve for white people today to ask Negroes, do they hate them? 
Top 5 Facts About the Civil Rights Movement Part 1 Number 5 Jim Crow is not a real person but a fictional character invented by white America Number 4 Public segregation was legal only until 1964 Number 3 The I Have a Dream speech that was delivered by MLK Jr. did not have the original words I Have a Dream in the original transcript Number 2 Interracial marriage was not nationally legalized until 1967 And number 1 Martin Luther King Jr.'s original name is Michael King Jr. Top 5 Facts About the Civil Rights This is a story of blatant racism. These are Mary and Dr. Nicholas Nicosia of Rochester, New York, and they decided to organize a party designed to make fun of Juneteenth. The party was organized around prejudiced stereotypes against the African-American community. There were buckets of chicken, Hennessy, and signs making fun of Juneteenth. And this is Jared Jones, who is a firefighter from Rochester, New York, who was taken to the party by his captain. Now, because of the story that I'm about to tell you, his captain was under termination proceedings, but he managed to retire before they could be started. However, Mr. Jones, who's a public servant, was so humiliated by that fact that he decided to sue the city of Rochester and the fire department. And this is how we came to find out the details of this horrific party. The details of this horrible party obviously spread like wildfire after the lawsuit was filed and Ms. and Dr. Nicosia decided that they wanted to fight back. Dr. Nicosia went on record as saying that the allegation of racism that were made against them were false and malicious because their party was just designed to make fun of liberals. He also said that they were tried and convicted on social media. And it's funny that he speaks about social media because just because of social media, this couple's week got a whole lot worse. You see, their lawyer decided to organize a press conference to try to clean up and redeem their image. And during the press conference, Marini Casillas admitted that she has a Twitter account under a false name where she has made blatant racist comments. Not only that, but she had the balls to absolve herself by saying that this is just the charm of Twitter. Obviously, the Twitter account no longer exists, but just for reference, this is the tamest tweet that I can show you from that account. You can pause to read. So we obtained the objective of proving the idiocy of some people, maybe not just the people you wanted. How did we go from being called Negroes to being called black? It's all thanks to this lady and the history is crazy. If you called someone black, it meant you wanted to fight them. Cause no one wanted to hear that mess. Up until the late 1960s, it was common practice to refer to people of African descent as Negroes in professional settings. Everyone used it, it was fully accepted. But as the older voices of people like MLK gave way to the younger voices in the black power and black liberation movements, the streets had enough of white people calling them something a few vowels short of nigger. And that's when this lady took action. That's Charlene Hunter Gall. 1969, I was working at the New York Times and I spent a lot of time in Harlem. And for the first time I wrote black instead of Negroes in a story because I listened to the community. I listened to the people who were calling for the change, but some white editor changed my wording from black back to Negro. I was so upset. I dictated an 11 page memo calling for the change. And the editor, Abe Rosenthal said, fine, that's what we're gonna do. From that point on, at the New York Times, people of color, this color, were referred to as black. Her stand to defiantly represent black voices in white spaces was powerful. And serves as a timeless example of the dignity present in being black and proud. So, y'all already got how we became, got the name black, Negroid, and then we got the name black. And now they was playing semantic because Negro was close to our heritage. Black is taken away from our heritage and making us um, out of who we are. We're color now instead of a nation. Negro, the Negro nation, the color, the black, because that ain't nothing. See, they already playing semantic. They had a woman to, to go out here and sprue black instead of sticking with Negroid or heritage or whatever. They want to change, they want to change 
the scenery. This is why I say, young people, y'all got to get to know why y'all need to stop calling yourself black because that's irrelevant. We are not a color, man. We're a nation. And that's what we are, Negroids. I have it on my birth certificate. And I'm an OG. And most of y'all got color, black, all these other things that we in the same nation, but we identify, they identify us as different types of human being. You got black, color, yellow, all that other name, niggers and um, coon and all that other stuff that they put on us. That's why I say, man. And then when you listen to this, the first thing I ask you or put on here, the white guy asked Malcolm X, do he hate white people? So we need to think about that question. Do we hate white people? Because, you know, everything we going through and put through, we've been oppressed by the white, the, the um, European nation and the Jewish community. Most of it from the Jewish community. Russ Christine outraged and disgusted. So this is actually that recruitment flyer packet that was handed out here in the Riverside community. They handed out these flyers and it said to be warned as the Ku Klux Klan is here and here to stay. I just didn't think that would happen in 2022, let alone our neighborhood. It was really disheartening, especially as a mom of, of two black boys. Um, it really it really unsettled my nerves. People living in the Riverside community in Northwest Atlanta say they can't believe what was dropped in their driveways and onto their porches. Take a look at this. It's a flyer from the Ku Klux Klan saying they are here and here to stay. The flyer also lists many people they just don't like a hateful message wrapped up in a plastic bag and delivered. Wow. We've heard it through our neighborhood and even other surrounding neighborhoods nearby that it was midday, so there wasn't any. Um... See how how this manifested now, but I want y'all to think about this, y'all. In my podcast, it says this guy from the Jewish community. Made up the Ku Klux Klan. I want y'all to listen to that podcast and get that information on that and see if it's true, man. Because the Jewish people is already, uh, he already established the Jewish community, already established the Ku Klux Klan as they, uh, uh, in, in, in their history. This bewild me too, y'all. When your eyes are open, you have a responsibility, man. And I have a responsibility to let y'all know what's going on. You know, they sweeping everything under the rug. I'm OCD, yo. I got to pull that rug up and sweep under there. And when I pull that rug and sweep under there, this is what I'm getting. A whole lot of mess that I think y'all need to know. But some of y'all just rub it off like water, water on a duck duck back and, and, and act like it ain't nothing. But when this stuff start hitting the fan a little harder than what it is, then it's going to be too late for you. Then you're going to be in a bad situation that you ain't going to be able to get you out of. And then to make it so bad, you're not even looking out for your children and being a watchman for your children. Because right now, fathers, you know what I'm saying? These mothers are on this fear tactic. Every time they hear some kind of type of fear, they going out there trying to keep that fear away from them instead of standing firm and believing in the most high. That's why we as men got to we got to be strong. Hold our hold hold our loins in our hands, man. We got to hold our loins in our hands. We don't need no other man holding our loins in their hands. We need to grab our loins by our hands and jack ourselves up. Not have somebody else got our loins and then squeezing it. That's what they doing in the entertainment. This is what those celebrities are. They got their loins and it's being squoze. Shaquille O'Neal, 
Charles Barkley, Stephen A. Smith, Kendrick Perkley, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, football players, basketball players, all of them. Them the ones that saying they their own man, but really they ain't. They got another man grabbing them by their loins, and every time they need them to do something, that our community come out, then they want to squeeze them, squeeze them by the loins, and then they got to do what they got to do for them. Not the right thing for their people, but for them. I'm spreading this out, boy. All this coming from the Jewish community, y'all. All this. We already came up upon here when an Ethiopian lady said that the Jewish people over there in Israel are so prejudiced against them. If those are the children of God, why do they got so much hate? Why they got so much deceiving? Why they got so much killing in their in they spirit? If they was the children of God and they want this world to be a better place, why are they not teaching the true children of God the way that everybody should go? But the Bible said when Israel, when we come back into our natural realm, when we come back into our order, there'll be no war no more. So if they the true children of God, why is there true war? It's too many of y'all is not even thinking. Y'all on this bull crap because you don't want to take accountability. Because you can see this. You can see this with, 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 with a dog on. You can see this with a big old flagpole, man. Seeing the flag waving. You can see this. Are you too ignorant that you can't understand what's going on? People put up all these narratives out here to get y'all in a better situation and have you in a better situation so your children can be all be on point. Because we gotta we gotta modern our children to be successful in looking at the world in the way it's supposed to be looking at instead of the fantasy world that TV and school and y'all portray them to go with the whole cycle. Y'all not teaching y'all children well because they're not getting taught in school. You go to public school and you ain't got to pay, but you got to pay when you go to college. In public school, they ain't telling you nothing. They ain't teaching you nothing. They teach you how to be cattle. And that's all it is. You want to be cattle. Work in this world, take orders in this world, and die in this world. Those are the only three steps that you got. Ain't none of us free. They got all of us by the loins, and we don't want to take they, uh, chop their hands from our loins so we can grab our own loins. But this is what we get. Y'all still got to know what it is. White people got their own language, y'all. That's what y'all fail to realize. White people got their own language that they talking codes and all this. And then, and then when they talking to us, they want to talk like regular. But when they talking to white people, they talking to code, y'all. And I'm going to give you a scenario on how white people in power be talking to code with other white people of the uh, European nation. Check one. The restriction on the ordination and temple blessings of persons of African ancestry, almost invisible to me as I grew up in Utah, was a frequent subject of my conversations in my life in Chicago and Washington, D.C. When I was a white kid growing up in 1940s Utah, I never even thought of the Mormon temple ban against black members. It wasn't until much later when I was a law professor in Chicago that it became the topic of discussion. I observed the pain and frustration experienced by those who suffered these restrictions. It was the middle of the civil rights movement in America, and for the first time I saw that black members being excluded from the top tier of heaven or not being able to be with their families together forever made them sad. I studied the reasons then being given and could not feel confirmation of the truth of any of them. When I pondered the reasons that the church gave for the exclusion, I received personal revelation that told me that all those reasons were wrong. I determined to be loyal to our prophetic leaders. But in spite of being a highly prominent and respected member of the church, I decided to obey the prophet instead of speaking out. 
Now that day had come, and I wept for joy. Then finally, in 1978, when I was president of BYU, God changed his mind about black people. In contrast, changes in the hearts and practices of individual members did not come suddenly and universally. The Mormon church isn't racist anymore. It's the members, not the church. Any attempt to erase divine requirements for eternal life and eternal families would be like trying to establish Satan's plan that all would be saved. But don't think because God changed his mind about black people that he's going to change his mind about gay people. Amen. And you know, and this shows you how much racism that America have and how much racism that the white man had. The white man hate the black man so the white man is scared of the black man so much. The white man hate the black man so much. We see this all through America, y'all. We see this in everything that goes on. They put racist police officers in here to kill us and then what? And then what? Now check this out. That's why I say, oh, oh, uh, uh, man, we got to grab ourselves out of your lawns and start protecting our people, man. You know, if they wanna, if they wanna, they wanna take a life, then uh, the Bible said a life for a life. A Bible said an eye for an eye, a two for a two. That's what the Bible said. An eye for an eye, a two for a two. That's what we need to start doing, y'all. Y'all need to stop getting all, all this fear factor and then go with this eye for eye, two for two job. We need a million strong to roll with this, y'all. They can't stop us with a million strong. We need a million strong, 100 million strong, 200 million strong, or a billion strong. A I for I, a two for two. That's what we got to do, y'all. That's the game that we got to start playing. An I for I, a two for two. Step out of the car, do it now! Help me out, Step out of the car! In Minden, Louisiana, that driver is 58-year-old Ben Corals. Step out of the car! He was just rear-ended by a truck and has a pre-existing health condition that makes COVID especially dangerous. On the ground! On the ground! On February 1st, 2022, began when Corals was driving less than a mile from his home. That 18-wheeler truck struck him from behind. According to the accident report, Corals committed no traffic violation and the truck driver had been following too closely. But instead of sympathizing with the crash victim and honoring his request to stay back, Officer Chris McLaren opened Mr. Corals' door. Flex, Flex, you have one, sir? Does, man. You want me to take that mask off your face? It's covered in pepper spray. 
can. And so I, I just tried to protect myself. I understand, but it's covered in pepper spray. I don't know if this is OPC right now or not. See y'all, you y'all 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 hear all the scenarios from what y'all hear. That's what I'm saying. There's no more rules. The rules are an eye for an eye, a two for a two. Is an old man, and then they pepper sprayed. You already know it was like four deep, and then he's in this car, and he and and all of them. I told you this is what white men do, y'all. When are y'all gonna get tired of this? When are y'all gonna stop looking at Shaquille, Charles Barkley, Kendrick Perkins, Kareem Abdul, LeBron James? When you gonna stop looking at them clowns and start looking at the true reality of what they doing to us? Look at what they doing to our older people, our elders. Our OG. It ain't nobody out there sitting up there trying to help them. We got these lawyers out here that's black. They don't do nothing for us. All they trying to do is run after that money. And God said, when you when your eyes are open, you have a responsibility. That's why I be telling these lawyers out here they don't do what they don't supposed to be doing. And they ain't doing it for their nation. You going to get dealt with too. The most I didn't give you a situation in a mind and the ability to go out here and do law and not practice to help your nation. That's why you in colonialism, white supremacy, and KKK. That's why they can get away with this mess. Nobody don't want to stand up for this union. Nobody don't want to be a part of this union. Everybody want to just be last. But they still killing you. They still killing you. They killing somebody that look like you. So what you gonna do then? Welcome to another episode of You Gonna Learn Today. On this episode, we're talking about the Children's Crusade, when a youth army saved the civil rights movement. Let's go. Did you know that in 1963, civil rights leaders mobilized an army of children to replace the many adults unable or unwilling to give themselves up to the battle of civil rights? History teaches us that heroes of the civil rights era were adults, yet it would be foolish not to recognize the many children actively participating in the struggle. Here's the story of how children rescued the civil rights movement. Toward the end of April 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and fellow leaders of the civil rights movement faced a grim reality in Birmingham, Alabama. The number of volunteers dwindled and support for the struggle began to die out. Fewer people attended marches, sit-ins, and meetings. Arrests and beatings had consumed many volunteers, and morale was low. Leaders were facing the possibility of... See how they was doing, y'all? They was beating these people to death to make them scared not to do this no more. You know what I'm saying? It's all about fear factor, y'all. This is what they did all through the thing when we were marching, trying to get our freedom, our right, and, 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 and our ability to be free in this land. And this is what we get. They march and march, and then you see, they say, fewer people came out, just like we got people like now. They don't want to come out for the call because they got the spirit of fear in them. You can see that the spirit of fear came in upon that era. Because the because the white the white supremacy of colonialism, white supremacy, and the Jewish community. The Jewish community, don't forget y'all have something to do with this as well. Don't even don't don't realize that they have it. This is what they do. Complete failure in their campaign to destroy segregation. A new strategy was needed to continue the struggle. James Bevel, a member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, came up with an idea to include school-aged children in protests to help desegregate Birmingham. The strategy involved recruiting popular teenagers from black high schools, such as the quarterbacks and cheerleaders, who could influence their classmates to attend meetings with them at black churches to learn about the nonviolent movement. There was also an economic reason to have children participate since adults risked being fired from their jobs and missing work for protesting. King, see, I want y'all to listen to what he just said. They said they got, they got um, children to come out there, especially the children that are popular, quarterbacks and all that. 
You know what I'm saying? Now, we look at this in the entertainment mind now. You know what I'm saying? That we look at them to for them and they act say something that we got to follow through with. This is the method that they used against us as well. So this is what they doing when they flip it now. Today, you got Charles Barkley, Kendrick Perkins, Shaquille O'Neal, Stephen A. Stankin' Smith. You know what I'm saying? You got those clowns out there, uh, you know, out there doing the, doing the white man mess. Along with other activists and members of the black community were adamantly opposed to involving children in marches because of the threats of violence from white mobs, as well as from policemen led by Eugene Bull Connor, the commissioner of public safety in Birmingham, who was notorious for his racist policies. Yet children like 15-year-old Janice Kelsey knew that she didn't want segregation and inequalities and wanted to be involved in having a say in her future. As told in her 2017 memoir, I woke up with my mind on freedom. The word went out from civil rights leaders to the children of the community, and in response, on May 2nd, 1963, more than 1,000 students skipped classes and gathered at 6th Street Baptist Church to march that downtown Birmingham. The youth, ages 7 to 18, held picket signs and marched in groups of 10 to 50, singing freedom songs. As they approached police lines, hundreds were arrested and carried off to jail in paddy wagons and school bus. See? Now... We explain about still the, the racism and the white supremacy back in them days. It's still today. You know what I'm saying? That what they was doing now, all these people wanted is to be free. These people are fighting to be free. So now, now that the, uh, the older people are, you know, overwhelmed and have the spirit of fear, now they get the children to go out here and do this. And then when they go out here and do this, the police officers, the police force, the the, the slave patrol go out here and do their slave patrol job. This is what y'all don't understand. This is still slave patrol. But we want to sit back up here and don't realize that. When hundreds more young people gathered the following day from another church, white commissioner Bull Connor directed the local police and fire departments to use force to halt the demonstration. Images of children being blasted by high-pressure fire hoses, being clubbed by police officers, and being attacked by police dogs appeared on television and in newspapers, triggering outrage worldwide. Despite the dogs, the hoses, the police clubs, the beatings, and the arrests, Wave after wave of youth continued to protest in the face of uncertainty. The children took the brunt of racism and kept returning while displaying incredible bravery. Most were held for a week in jail with little food and water. White supremacy didn't care that they were youth, but the public outcry was tremendous. The sight of... See, white supremacy don't even care, yo. They said white supremacy don't even care about your youth. This is what is on the police force now. That's why the men's now got to grab their lawns and just I for I two for tooth, man. That's what it's gonna have to be, man. It has to be what the scriptures say: I for I and a two for two. Is is no reasoning. Is no when when you did all you can do in your bucket. To be peaceful, humble, and righteous. And all that is spewed out. Now in your bucket is left. It's I for I and a two for two. This is what your I for I and a two for two should be on. It, it should be marinated on. It should be thinking or pondering on. All this injustice, especially all these pro, police pro, probability, what they doing now. They sitting up here killing all of us and they still doing it today under white supremacy. And you got all these black leaders and officers and these um, black police officers that call themselves chiefs and captains like they holding some kind of rank. The whole system is set up with racism or white supremacy, but they instead of them showing you it's white supremacy, they put, you know, speckles in black in position to hold to, to continue doing what they're doing, y'all. 
It don't take, it don't take a smart man to see this. Young people peacefully protesting reinvigorated the Birmingham movement and throngs of people started attending meetings again and joining the demonstration. King changed his mind as well about the effectiveness of the children's crusade. The crusade ended after intervention from the U.S. Department of Justice. The event moved President John F. Kennedy to express support for federal rights legislation and the eventual passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The Children's Crusade of 1963 rescued the civil rights movement. And the thing about this, and y'all, they go out here crying civil rights, civil rights, civil rights. See, civil rights are for us. This is why the word civil rights came upon. This is why the, the narrative of civil rights is here today in America. But the people, he develops a fighting for civil rights don't get the rights, but you got everybody else who come into this country claiming that their civil rights are broken, but the people that developed the roadmap to civil rights, they, they haven't been perfected yet. They haven't overcame their civil rights. And then y'all y'all allow Obama to, to water down our civil rights. They had to have a white man, that white man had to have a Negro to come down here and water down our civil rights that our civil rights became. They sit up here and did all these things to our children in the name of want to be free. Our, and, our, and our women that want to be free. Our older elders that want to be free. And they still doing it today. So, so that's why I don't understand when you're a black man in position of any type of situation dealing with white supremacy because America is white supremacy. We already know the whole lowdown of America is full of white supremacy, but y'all don't want to get that down to the nitty gritty. Y'all don't want to, y'all don't want to, y'all don't want to see because if you see, you got accountability to say something. That's why they call you, these Jewish people and the Jewish community call y'all cattle. That's all you damn is, is a damn dog, a cat, a damn cow. You cattle. You don't think. You react. The term African-American is actually as old as the United States, first used in 1782 in the pamphlet titled On the Capture of Lord Cornwallis. Um, the author, simply known as an African-American, writes about the possible hesitancy that a black individual might have in supporting the United States after winning its independence after the Battle of Yorktown in 1781. So. Why would black Americans be uniquely hesitant to support our young country? Well, it's important because the British promised and actually followed through with freeing any individuals who fought on the side of the British. More than 20,000 men um, and boys were actually freed from enslavement and taken to Nova Scotia. Um, the United States, on the other hand, um, remained very firmly in favor of preserving slavery which is something that would definitely make individuals of the black community um, reluctant to support our young country. Now, um, your assertion that Elon Musk is an African-American does not work given this historical framework. This term has only ever been used in the context of black individuals who are of African descent, and were born in the United States, not a term for white immigrants to the United States who were born in Africa. Now, I was able to actually sit down and read this sermon on the capture of Lord Cornwallis because of the generosity of Harvard University's library. They went through and digitized and preserved the whole document, something that people did not realize was actually important until Fred Shapiro of Yale University discovered this document and found that the author, an African-American, was using the term African-American 53 years before it would appear in the Oxford English Dictionary. This is the type of history that is often forgotten and is not preserved by big libraries like Harvard. This is a really exciting case where that history is preserved. 
And that was the point of my whole Twitter post was that I want to see everyday people's ideas preserved and everyone's regardless of their side. And if we look here at your comments, your mind jumped to the idea that somehow people on the far right were being targeted and having their ideas erased from history. They will not be erased by history. They are very important to study because the people that were being limited on Twitter um, were actually advocating for the assaults and murder and deportation of individuals based upon their race, class, gender, or religious identity. Never come back to my page again. Thank you. Well, uh, Mr. Reston, number one, when you speak of us uh, uh, striving here to become full-fledged citizens, or as they say, first-class citizens. Uh, number one, uh, most of the Negro leaders, the so-called Negro leaders, uh, they have gotten the, the Negro masses to think in terms of second-class citizenship, which there is no such thing. Uh, we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad look upon a man as either a citizen or he's not a citizen. Uh, he's not a citizen by degrees. He's a citizen or he's not a citizen. And as long as the black man in America is not recognized as a first-class citizen, we don't feel that we are citizens at all. No other people in America are placed in a second-class citizenship category. People can come here from Hungary which is a communist country, and be incorporated or integrated into the American way of life overnight. They don't have to come in as third class, second class, or any some, some other kind of class uh, citizen. The only man that's placed in this category is this so-called Negro who has sat around uh, and begged the white man to accept him uh, uh, as an integ integral part of his particular political setup and whatnot. Now, um, we feel that if after a hundred years since Lincoln issued the so-called Emancipation Proclamation, if the black man here is still not recognized as a first-class citizen, which means free, then uh, we don't feel that uh, what Lincoln did actually set the so-called Negro free in the first place. Uh, not freedom in its uh, full sense of the word. An example. If you have a unique problem in that if the black man in Nigeria, for instance, uh, strives against his oppressor to gain his freedom, once he gains that freedom, the oppressor leaves. But the black man in Nigeria is already at home. He has his own country. If uh, the black man in uh, India uh, is striving against his oppressor for freedom, once his oppressor, the colonizer, uh, gives him that freedom, the colonizer leaves, the oppressor leaves, but the slave or the ex-slave is already at home. This is the... Now, now, this is all well and good, but you are not answering my question. I'm, I'm answering your question. Right, go ahead. Uh, if the black man in Kenya, the same way, if, he's, if he uh, re rebels against the British, his British oppressor, and gains his freedom, then the oppressor leaves. Now, the black man in America's position is unique in that uh, he begs for freedom or demands for freedom, but once he gets this so-called freedom, he's still 9,000 miles away from that which he can call home. So he has a, a problem that's uh, different than the problems of the other dark people all over this earth who have been striving for freedom. And uh, the uh, uh, we're over there, they can use the passive approach, which is uh, sit down or sit in or rebel in that way, uh, when you have in India, like Gandhi, where they had three or four hundred million black people striving against a couple hundred thousand white oppressors, then passive uh, passiveness worked because all they had to do is stop, sit down. It's like an elephant sitting on a mouse or something. But here they are the majority and the oppressor is the minority. Here in America, you got black. the black man is the minority. And when you call, a, call yourself sitting down on the white man, all he has to do is let you sit. He can get someone else to run his factory or whatever else he wants to do. But to sit there and use this so-called passive approach, we don't think it will work because we don't find any uh, parallel. We don't find, for instance, anyone being encouraged to uh, seek freedom in a passive way other than the so-called Negro here in America. 
Many of the whites who pose as liberals and act as advisors for Negroes tell them that uh, be passive, be peaceful, turn the other cheek. But these same whites who uh, encourage the so-called Negro to use the passive approach uh, have never advocated a passive approach to uh, throw off the yoke of bondage to any white uh, groups of people who are in bondage. When they speak of the uh, uh, whites in Eastern Europe who are under the yoke, the Russian yoke, they don't tell them to be passive in their resistance. They feed them ammunition. They feed them guns. They, they uh, uh, make heroes out of the freedom fighters from Hungary. They make them great heroes. But uh, when it comes to a black man, be he in Asia or Africa or uh, in America, if he becomes militant in his resistance against oppression, then immediately he's classified as a fanatic. But if it's a white man or a white group or someone in a white country that's trying to throw off uh, bondage, the, the propagandists label that one as a hero and they label the dark people who are trying to resist this uh, oppression, be it no matter what kind of resistance it is, they, re they label them as fanatics, as racists, as extremists, or as rebels. So what it does, it makes the black man in America who would like to fight for his freedom or take a, a militant, uncompromising stand, it makes him reluctant or afraid to take that stand for fear that he'll uh, place himself in this particular category. And I would like to say this, and also in answer to your question, that it is not the uh, uh, so-called uh, this kind of movement and that kind of movement in America that's causing the white man to give an inch and that's all he's giving is an inch. Uh, it's, it's, it's the pressure that the white man is under today from the outside world. He's not uh, telling you and me that we might be integrated into his particular educational system or economic system 10 years from now. He's not promising it this year, you know, 10 years from now or 20 years from now or even 50 years from now because he loves us. But he'll tell you every day. You listen to some of these political speeches. They're, 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 they're uh, uh, catering somewhat to you and me uh, only because they are in a position where they are forced to try and impress and gain the friendship or the sympathy of the African nations that are getting their independence. The white man today is posing as the leader of the so-called free world. And the only way he can be accepted as the leader of the so-called free world is to be accepted by the majority of the peoples on this earth, the majority of whom are, are non-white people. And they measure him by how he treats the non-white people here in America. And to impress them, he stands up and talks this old in integration talk, which is hypocrisy. Not because he's going to integrate you and me, because we'll still be begging a hundred years from now. But to impress our brothers in Africa and Asia. And I don't think that he's going to be successful at it. Now, am I... Well... He pulled out my pants... Touch my, my um, testicles. They, they like eased down and they put their hands right between my butt. Just pulled my drawers down and dug in my, dug in my, my rectum. The alleged victims keep coming forward. Eight Milwaukee police officers are under internal investigation, accused of performing illegal strip searches, including cavity searches on the streets. Were they wearing any gloves? No, I didn't see not one. There was no gloves. Kevin Freeman Jr. claims back in December he and some friends were violated during a traffic stop. When they searched me, they, they put my, they, they like ease down and they put their hands right between my butt and then I try to reach back and they, when, when, so when I try to reach back and try to stop them, they just got to slam me. He pulled out my pants, touched my, my um, testicles. They, they like ease down and they put their hands right between my butt. Just pulled my drawers down and dug in my, dug in my, my rectum.
Kanye, get out. Exposing the sample, call him Kanye West. America gonna be destroyed. No doomsday threats. It's gonna get hit with ballistic missiles from Gog and Magog. You shouldn't have had liposuction. Should have jogged the weight off. We the resistance. Hear the bravery in my voice. You lied to us when you said slavery was a choice. Nigga must have smoked up a whole quarter piece. 1441, we was kidnapped by the Portuguese. When I hear the words make America great again, all it means is make blacks and Latinos slaves again. You said Bush don't care about black people. When it comes to cooning, you're a Barkley and Shaq's equal. You was the realest spitter ripping the beat up. Now you in a sunken place, phone clicking the teacup. Yeah, learning you're a slave. Mom turning in her grave. Lyrical sermon on the page, just burning off the America mage. was great when they stole the land from the natives. It was great when they brought blacks over on slave ships. It was great when they prospered our free labor. It was great when burning our bodies was sweet savor. It was great when they could rape our women at will. It was great when they did our children like Emmett Till. It was great when firemen sprayed us with hoses. It was great when they killed all our modern day Moses. Could you cherish a place where we perished in hate? Then wear a hat that says you want to make America great. Your character's fake. Saying Trump represents freedom. He's eat him. He told cops when you stop, blacks mistreat him. Everything changed when you got with that ratchet thought. Your mom's casket dropped. Evil cerebral and rapid thoughts. The aftershock. You started tweaking off acid drops. High as an astronaut. I bet this shit happened to Travis Scott. Watch the throne. You really sold yourself a dream. It seems the people highest up got the lowest self-esteem. You made back on the road to hell. You should be wearing that hat that said you sold for sale. Look at all this backlash hate. First you backstab hoes, then you backstab Drake. MK Ultra I stuck in your mouth wide. This ain't the same kumbaya from the south side. America was great when cotton picking with bloody fingers. It was great when we called Mexicans beaners. It was great when we didn't have a voice to speak. It was great when they fed us scraps, no choice to eat. It was great when they fed our babies to gators. It was great when they beat us before the taser. It was great in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was great when the media didn't cover our stories. Yeah, Deacon, AKA Five Lords, Sakari. All praise you, how about Shimmy? I was shy. Hey, Kanye, man, get out. You out of pocket, homie. All the Jews, all the gems, all the jewels and gems you gave us about our history, all the social injustice that you spoke out about. And now this, this ain't the land of our rest, all right? We under curses, we Israelites. They're not for us, man.